Welcome to another episode of the Frosty and Perenni Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Frost. With me, as always, coach of Pretoria FC, Tony Perenni. Derek, I cannot believe it's week 13 already. This this year has like just disappeared, and we're over here talking playoff scenarios for a week that starts next week uh, when we're going to start going down that, that trail as far as who could possibly be champion in this league and who's going to be spinning down the toilet bowl. Yeah, Tony, we uh, we are going into the final week of the regular season. We just finished up the second to last week of the regular season. We we were hoping to get some big, uh, you know, some big playoff implications for this week. But it looks like most things are going to be pretty well wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah. The the, uh, the big one we were kind of watching was that that matchup for that final playoff spot between Vince and Kevin. And uh, uh, Kevin held up his end of the bargain last week and uh, had a big win over my squad. But uh Vince ran into a buzzsaw against Mike, but he put up enough points uh, to distance himself uh, from Kevin. And I, I feel pretty safe to say that he's locked up that sixth spot, barring what would have to be the biggest collapse in fantasy football history. Oh, the toilet hasn't flushed yet, Tony. And there he is, coach of Jump the Shark. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin Hulick. Thank you. Yeah, so it's going to take a Herculean effort by Kevin. Uh, we'll get into the scores here in a second, but a Herculean effort will be required by Kevin or an absolute collapse from Vince. But uh, it might it might happen. I'm here for it if it does. But yeah, the uh, the points are going to be pretty well massive. I mean, Derrick Henry put up three touchdowns in the first half last week. So if he can put up like five in the first half and maybe another one in the second half this week against Cleveland. Uh, I think Kevin's got a shot. Uh, and then Vince just hopefully forgets to set his lineup. So you're saying there's a chance. There's always the chance. <laughs> well, I mean, Vince could make it fun and, you know, and he starts defense or something. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Cause uh, this, this week is largely meaningless for Vince. He's already stuck in that sixth spot. Uh, unless he completely collapses and falls out of the playoffs, but uh, he can't move up from there. He's, he's going to be playing that three, six matchup next week. So uh, I guess on the, on the upside uh, side of the pendulum for him, there's, there really is no upside for him. He, he can't move up any. So uh, if he wants to tempt fate and make it interesting, uh, he could throw his backups in there, maybe bench Patrick Mahomes and uh uh, and live a little this week and then see, see if uh, if Kevin can catch him. Hey, well, put your best a, five out. Yeah, we're in a pandemic. Right. Might as well do something to mix it up, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it. The Super Cold Open presented by Modine's 3, Letterkenny's premier home for Puppers Lager. We're going to start with... Tyler Kerr, saved by LaBelle. Uh, I have a little conflict of interest here as it was my first week in the advisor role going up against Charlie Thurber's Blue Cat at Lodge. And although saved by LaBelle put up almost 122 points, it was not enough as Charlie puts up 133.6. For the saved by LaBelle team, had some positive showing out of Tom Brady with 
Amari Cooper puts up 23.2. Devontae Parker, nearly 20, but a negative one out of Brown's defense. And Hot Rod Rodrigo Blankenship only gets two. On the other side, Tyler Murray, disappointing, only 7.9. Kareem Hunt, disappointing, only 6.2. Noah Fant, disappointing, only 2.3. So how did Charlie get the win? Well, PED user himself, Will Fuller, puts up 35.1. And Young Ho Koo, Atlanta's kicker, gives him 21 to push him over the edge, 133.6. Well, Derek, you really shit the bet on the kicker there. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, uh, wasn't a good showing for Hot Rod. Would uh, you they, say two points? Two points. He got the... Uh, Two, uh, two extra points, no field goal attempts. So kind of a bummer there for Indianapolis. But, hey, the next few games are going to be in domes. So Hot Rod, I got faith in him. No, 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 no. You're, you're burying the lead on this one. Your very first act as advisor of the team was a kicker move. So um, it, it really it goes back to the, the history of Ty that the first move would be a kicker. So thank you for that. It, it really falls in line with the trends there. Uh, but your first act as advisor, Rodrigo Blankenship, and he puts up two points for you the first week. So uh, there, there was a lot of controversy uh, popping up this week about you jumping on on Ty's roster, and uh, uh, Dave was was pretty upset about it, uh, thinking it was an unfair advantage for Ty. And uh, uh, this is the well, kind of based on this kicker situation, I'm not sure about that. I think Dave should be rooting for this now. <laughs> Of advising that you have to look forward to, Dave. I don't think you're in that much danger. Yeah, and that's what I said last week. You know, we, we foresaw the, the, the little bit of a backlash, and I reminded everybody, hey, I'm not very good at this. So, you know, it's the blind leading the blind here, and, you know, maybe we could borrow Hot Rods or X-Specs to figure out what the hell we're doing over here at Saved by the Bell. But I will say 121.8, I feel pretty good with that total score, uh, so you guys can keep talking and making fun of me for for the advising, and let's not talk about the Brian Hill uh, roster spot over um, James White that would have not quite gotten the win, but pretty darn close. But I will say, my first di- my first game of, of advising, Saved by the Bell gets the highest score they have all season by about 20 points. So, you know, I'm doing all right. So did they get the highest score in weeks because of your advising or because the lineup was actually set? Well, well Tony, that was advice. Yeah, it was, it's a package deal. We're not going to break down individual decisions here. Um, it's a package deal of ensuring that the lineup is set and that moves are made on the waiver wire and that we put the team in the best possible position to win um and we almost did that so i would say uh you know overall pretty good uh you know uh, this is my preseason, and we'll be ready for the playoffs or you know the toilet bowl playoffs that's all you can ask just getting them ready. It's also worth mentioning that the kicker that you dropped for Blankenship, Greg Zerline, Greg the leg, as he's often called, puts up 10 points. So uh, net, net negative on that one, Derek. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And then there's the Brian Hill move. Yeah. yeah. You, you but, picked uh, up because he had Rex back, Derek. Yeah, I, I'm like a lot. Absolutely. That's why I did it. Yeah, we were, uh, we were close over here at Saved by the Bell. Um, James White would have been... Gr- James White and Greg Zerline would have put us over the edge. We would have gotten the win. Um, you know, so you win some, you lose some. This is this is both a win and a loss. Uh, a win because I feel like we're headed to the right, you know, on, on the right path, a better path. But uh, at the end of the day, we still lost. Um, fairly handily. Yeah, and to, that's to uh, the Charlie squad sitting there at nine and three now. Um, we, we, were, we were looking at the standings here and the, the points for and the points against right before we uh, jumped on the air here, and uh, it's really astounding. His record is. Uh, you look at his points for and points against. He's actually allowed more points they scored this year, and he's six games above 500. Just a, a really, really good stretch of. Uh, wins for him that we mentioned last week and we mentioned a couple times throughout the season how he seems to be pushing all the right buttons with his lineup uh, I think it's fair to suggest there's a little bit of luck in there too when uh, your team is getting outscored on the whole for most of the season uh, and you you just end up re-getting a lot of really favorable matchups in there but I think his team is, is rounding into form pretty well going into playoffs but one thing that's really going to hurt him as you already mentioned, Will Fuller suspended rest of the season. Now we know why his hamstring was staying together all season this year. It's <laughs> not going to be available for Charlie in the playoffs now. I think that hurts him a lot there because um, Michael Thomas has kind of been in and out of the lineup and hasn't really looked like himself yet. And you have the Taysom Hill uh, issue going on and. and New Orleans there where uh, he's not getting as many catchable passes thrown his way anymore so uh, you're lining up Mike Evans and Michael Thomas come playoffs and Thomas isn't quite what you expected him to be uh, coming into this year you really got to hope for Breeze to come back so uh, looking at the playoff scenarios for Charlie right now uh, if he wins this week He's B-team division champ. He gets the number two seed in the playoffs, and he's he's sinking a first-round bye there. But if he loses, um, things get a little more dicey for him. He needs a little bit of help. If he loses and Mike Engine Throne also loses, he still retains that division championship. But if he loses and Mike wins, he's dropping down to the number three seed uh, and could possibly even go down to number four based on uh, points uh, with Tim get into Tim's to what Tim needs a little bit later but uh, really quite simple for Charlie he controls his own destiny win in your division champ and you can take next week off and rest up your guys and get where you need to be for a second round of playoffs moving on here we see the buzzsaw that was mentioned earlier Mike Engine Thrones Bonnie McMurray puts up 194.2 against Vince Gorgonzola's Mahomes improvement, who scored 160 points. Like, it's not like he he didn't do well, uh, but 194.2 is a ridiculous showing. Mike got incredible production out of Deshaun Watson, 33.1. Dalvin Cook only gets him 10.2. Mike Davis only gets him 10.9. But Tyreek the Cheetah Hill puts up 57.9 points 
Allen Robinson, 27.4. Jason Sanders, kicker, 12. Hot Rod could have used some of those points. Good for Jason. Rams defense gets 15, beating San Francisco. On the other side, Patrick Mahomes, throwing all those balls to Tyreek Hill, gets 31.3. Austin Eckler, 23.9. Kenyon Drake, 24. A.J. Brown, 26. Washington defense, 17. So, great games on both sides. Like we mentioned earlier, this will solidify pretty much the playoff spot for Vince. But Mike Engine Throne about to make a hell of a run here into the championship. Is there anybody that's going to stop him, Tom? I don't think anybody wants to face him right now with where his team is trending. You look up and down his roster, and really any of those guys can go off at any given time, uh, which is very dangerous when you're facing somebody. And, oh, the, the most troubling part for other managers in the league is first week of the playoffs, he, he may have a healthy Christian McCaffrey that he gets to insert in the lineup uh, with Dalvin Cook, with Deshaun Watson, with Tyreek Hill, with McLaurin. It, like, it's an embarrassment of riches right there. Uh, and if he gets Mark Andrews back uh, as well from the COVID list at tight end, there's no holes in that lineup. Like, everybody else kind of needs to start rooting for injuries on Mike's side because he's going to be a really, really tough out. This, this kind of feed, this run he's on a point scored over the last couple of weeks, you know, it's it's uh, it's very relevant that we have Kevin on today because it feels a little reminiscent of the run he made late last season, uh, where his team was just putting up 160 plus points every single week and was just getting big outings from various players on a weekly basis, and he never really knew who was going to pop, and uh, our guys kept doing it, and right now. As, as you mentioned, uh, Vince puts up 160 points and gets boat raced. <laughs> like, how, how does that happen? That's uh, one, one of the best weeks Vince has had in months, and it wasn't even close. Uh, so looking at, at Mike's playoff scenarios right now, he's obviously got to feel pretty good with where his team is right now. Uh, he needs a little bit of help to, to secure a division championship there. He'll need to win. He'll need Charlie to lose. If that happens, he's B-team division champion. If he wins and Charlie wins, then he's going to be the number three seed. Just based off points scored, he's now the highest scoring uh, team in the league after the run he's had the last couple weeks. Um, so if, if he wins, he's going to have that number three seed. It's, it's not going to be very debatable as far as points scored. Uh, if he loses and Tim wins, uh, he can drop to the number four seed. And if he loses and my squad wins, uh, it can come down to number four, or he can drop as low as number five, depending on points between our two teams. So uh, there's a lot of different variables there for Mike. Uh, obviously, he can clean it up a little bit if he wins, but he needs a little bit of help if he wants to get that first round by. But nonetheless, uh, I'm not sure it matters which week that somebody is facing his team. They still don't want to do it right now. Moving in to the other half of our game of the week that uh, wasn't really close. Kevin Hulix jumped the shark. <laughs> What's a whooping on Tony's Victoria FC? 133-97. to 97. Kevin gets a hell of a showing out of Derrick Henry with 38.5. 
Sterling Shepard gives you 13.8. Steelers defense, a little bit of concern if that game was going to happen. Finally happens on Wednesday. You get six, 16 points from it. Uh, Chris Godwin rounding it out with a 17.7. Tony, rough game all around. Teddy Bridgewater gives you 13.8. Alvin Kamara, only 6.2. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, only 4.9. Tyler Lockett, 5.3. Your bright spot, Devontae Adams, 18. Evan Ingram, 17. Calvin Ridley, 17. Uh, So just a rough showing there, Tony. Uh, But Kevin, 133. We already talked about your your playoff aspirations are are likely over, but they're not completely gone yet. Uh, but how did you feel into this week, especially with that Ravens Steelers game being real up in the air? Yeah, it was uh, that that Steelers Ravens game. That was a real fucking uh, train ride over the course of the week. The NFL really had no clue what it was doing there. Um, no. I, I, as I voiced uh, in the in the Discord chat, I mean, I thought it was very unfair to pretty much everyone involved about how, how they went about it, um, and it wasn't really fair to the rest of the teams in the league either. But uh, you know, looking at the results between Tony and myself, uh, you know, a lot of luck for me this week. Although it didn't really matter because I got pretty much knocked out of the playoffs anyway. But Tony left a lot of points on the bench. A, a lot of points. Like his his running backs that he started were not good, but he had what, two running backs that each scored over 25 points on the bench, and then he had Jeff yep. Lane scored 28. So yeah, if I was Tony, I wouldn't be very worried. Um, now, as opposed to me, I, I would be a little worried since I'm, as you so eloquently put it, uh, floating around, uh, spinning around the bowl that is the toilet. <laughs> yeah it uh it, it's well okay i'll say this kevin if we look at the toilet bowl teams you scored the highest so if this were next week you would you would be out right you would be out of the toilet mm-hmm. bowl playoffs you would be safe so although you're gonna be in the toilet bowl you have to feel pretty good all things considered, as you look at like the rosters of the Little Sebastians, or like the roster of Say by the Bell, or hell, even even threat level Midnight, you know, you you definitely have the best roster there. I mean, Derrick Henry at any point, I mean, 38.5, you know, that's a, that's a huge game. Um, Steelers defense has been phenomenal all year, so I would imagine that you have to still feel pretty good. They're the best, you know, best defense in the, in the league. Um, well. It- yeah, but the thing is, you know, I the way it's set now, and I think it's going to stay this way, I think in the first round of the Toilet Bowl playoffs, I'm supposed to face Saved by LaBelle, and they have like five fucking coaches. So how can I compete? <laughs> hey, wait wait a minute. Let me address that. Uh, Saved by LaBelle has two people as listed as coach, but I think combined, Tyler and I maybe count for 0.8 of a coach. So I don't think that's a concern. Well, Ty's a very nice guy, so I would count him higher than that. But in addition, I'd like to lodge <laughs> my second complaint. Even if I, you know, let, let's say I get past the LaBelles and I end up against the little Sebastians. I mean, 
he just announced over the Discord earlier this week that he gets trade advice from Steve. I mean, that's practically a collusion. Two, 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 two different organizations in the league talking, talking about trades, trying to help out each other. Oh, I mean, what, what's a guy to do? Hey, I'll agree with you on that. I think they're, uh, I think they're coming after you specifically. And uh, yeah, a little hypocritical of Dave to make the issue about yeah. uh, about it. I would open so, up an inquiry. I think we need to get our league investigator on this. Do we have a league investigator? Well, yeah, I mean, you pretty much do everything else, so I thought you could do that too. I would love to. I will be the league investigator. First thing I'll do is investigate the collusion. Second thing I'll do is go ahead and investigate whatever's going on with Saved by the Bell. Uh, and then the third thing... Certify uh, the election results. Certify the election results and make sure that Joe hasn't left with all the money because uh, I'm pretty sure he's skimming off the top. So those are those in my first hundred days is what I plan to do. That's that's very good. You have. Well, I don't I guess we're not really a democracy, so you don't have my vote, but, you know. And also, it seems like it's kind of a league where people just do stuff and because we don't really have enough people that are to really run for anything so you know go with go with it that's what that's how i live my entire life kevin i just go for it until somebody's like hey you can't do that and be like oh yeah show me where it says that and then they can't and boom there you go i just want to shine light on that for the two coaches of saved by labelle there's like six toilet bowl appearances in four years. Well, then it sounds like they're very, they're very experienced in this competition. They know what it takes. They are. <laughs> they crawl through the shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> like Andy Dufresne and the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Um. So I was in the league for three years. Uh, the first year I was runner-up, and Dave won. I was runner-up. Felt pretty good about it. If I would have done a better, like I, it was a it was a last-minute roster move that screwed it up for me. I almost won. Uh, and then the next year was the penalty year where I was in the toilet bowl championship. And then the year after that, I was in the toilet bowl but won in the first round. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So listen. Very, very well-known territory for me. Tyler, of course, took the uh, took the test last year, and I believe now he he got. I can't remember the year that Kenzie was supposed to take it. If he, I think it was like a bubble team for the playoffs, or maybe he was a bubble team for the playoffs. I don't, I don't remember. He was either the six seater. He was in the toilet bowl and won his first game. Yeah, I think he and, just. And, and he was in the same boat the year before because that year that I got out of it in the first round, I guess that would have been the Kenzie year. So yeah, we're talking about the same year. Yeah, yeah. So he was he was the I was the last team in the toilet bowl. He was the last like the the last team to make the playoffs. We were we were competing for that last spot. Um. So yeah. So Tyler has has one appearance with the ACT. I have two appearances, so so it's only three, Kevin. It's only three. It's half the number you said. However, Ty has I didn't, the ACT I, I didn't say. Oh, I'm sorry, Tony. Tony. You jerk. As a politician, you really need to get your facts straight. 
Uh, no, that's, that's absolutely not a requirement. Uh, you make the facts when you're a politician, that's what I've learned. Alternative facts, yes. Uh, no, they're, they're facts. Absolutely, it's all facts if you say it enough times. Yeah, and then say, yeah. no, that's a fact. Yeah, pretty much. But the good news for Kevin here is that he kind of controls his own destiny in that toilet bowl playoffs now. We've already mentioned how uh, obscene it would be if he climbed back into the playoffs at this point. But uh, there's, there's definitely a race in the toilet bowl playoffs to get that seven seed and to face Save by LaBelle first rather than uh, running into Dave or Steve. So uh, Kevin controls his own destiny there. If he wins, he locks that up. Uh, or if, if Dave loses... Uh, he locks it up. If he loses and Dave wins, uh, it's going to come down to points. So, uh, Kevin, just uh, just do your thing, win the game, and uh, you get a, you get a date with uh, Ty and Derek next week. I'm excited for that date, Kevin. Yeah, I think we're going Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the Meanderwood Melee Part Two. Dave Peschen gets the win, 121 to Steve Groover's 110. Peschen gets a great showing from Antonio Gibson, 36.6. TJ Hawkinson gives him 14. Packers defense gives him 14. But Kenny Galladay didn't play on Thanksgiving. Dave left him in the lineup. And this is a concerning thing. Uh, and I, something I, I didn't really bring up as Dave was throwing his his mud around in the Discord, uh, Dave has uh, recently stopped paying attention and has, over the last couple weeks, not had a full lineup a few times. So uh, why, don't, uh, why don't we look inside our own glass house before we start throwing stones? On the other side, Groover gets J- uh, 27 points out of James Robinson, 11 out of Seahawks defense, Deontay Johnson in that Pittsburgh lineup gives him 12.6. Hunter Henry from the Chargers, 13.7, but not enough to overcome that 121. So Dave moves up to 4-8. and eight. Groover down to 3-9. and nine. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it before. I don't think anybody, any of us expected Groover to be in this spot, but I think we're seeing a preview of, for the Meanderwood Melee Part 3 that we expect will happen next week. Yeah, it's looking very, very likely right now. As we mentioned, if Kevin wins this week, uh, he locks up that 7th seed, and then you'd have a rematch of this in the 8-9th uh, game right now. So Dave has a shot to get up in that 7th seed. Uh, if he can win, Kevin loses, and Dave can close that, that points gap. Um, but if, if he wins and uh, and Steve wins, he gets the eight seed. So, uh, but if he loses, he has the potential to drop down to nine. At that point, it really doesn't matter. It's the eight nine game. So, on Steve's side, uh, he's pretty much locked into the eight nine game already. It's just come down to seeding whether he's the home or away team. Which uh, uh, in a COVID year, uh, the home field advantage isn't quite what it normally is. And in uh, COVID fantasy football year, it's. Uh, just as meaningless as it is every other year so um (laughs) nothing to gain there for steve he could pretty much rest his guys and uh, get ready to uh defend his turf uh next week because he's going to be fighting for his toilet bowl life uh uh, potentially in another rivalry match with dave so uh they split the season series and it's going to come down how are they going to do that they're going to spend all the time talking about trades with each other 
<laughs> yeah. How can we get the best outcome for each of us? And so that's, that's going to be what's going on there. It's going to be a draw. <laughs> when really they should just be talking about painting that shed. When's that getting done? Has anybody ever followed up? Well, it hasn't happened yet. Is, yeah. What? Uh, what? You know? What type of task that needs to be completed is at stake here? I mean. Doug Diesel calls me every week and says, "When is my shed getting painted?" And I just have to keep telling him, "Like I don't, I don't know." Like Groover, he's he's flighty, he's not reliable, but we all knew this. So, and now he's also terrible at fantasy football. So, um, the shed's not getting painted by itself, guys. So somebody has to step up and uh, and take care of it. Maybe it's you know. Winner, like uh, uh, winner, take all of this third matchup, and Groover can get out of it if he wins, and then Dave has to paint the shed. I don't know, I don't know, but I'm looking forward to. Actually, what I'm really looking forward to is if Dave can overcome Kevin and get that number seven spot. Dave goes up against Saved by LaBelle and loses, and then Kevin beats Steve. And we get Meanderwood Melee Part 3 for the ACT. That's what I'm here for. Uh, I think for everybody's interest, that is the best outcome that happens in the toilet bowl. Completely agree. That would be something right there. If you can get that rivalry and in the biggest stakes of them all, um, I think everybody would be uh, riveted and, and drawn right to their to their fantasy app all weekend watching that one unfold because um, I mean you, you can really you can picture both of them taking it you know Steve's already in, in college mode and uh, Dave is terrified of this exam like let, let's just be honest uh, you see him uh, drawing up the controversy this week uh, with you jumping on Ty squad he, he is terrified of taking that exam he, he thought it was going to be smooth sailing and Ty was going to go in there and uh, be a lock for taking that with probably seven guys in his lineup toilet bowl week and uh, that's no longer the case so um, I'm excited to, to potentially get that matchup but uh, uh, you know what if that doesn't happen and we have to settle for it next week I, I think that'll be that'll be good as well too because it's still pretty big stakes there and uh, both guys are going to be extremely extremely nervous Kalen King's lemon booty is going to be in full swing full lemon booty <laughs> well, you don't want lemon booty in your toilet bowl <laughs> that stinks <laughs> that pucker all right in our last game of the week tim taft's leave it to beasley squad oh boy goes up against bob's roethlisberger's kaylin king himself puts up 145 tim only puts up 75 points what a rough showing for the leave it to beasley squad he gets 15 and a half out of Josh Allen, 11.6 out of Frank Gore, 12.7 out of Curtis Samuel, negative five out of the Colts defense. They were projected six. They end up negative five. Real rough showing. Uh, and only gets 6.1 out of Cooper Cup. On the other side, 
Bob's Roethlisberger no longer has Ben Roethlisberger in the starting role. Aaron Rodgers takes over the starting role, 25.6 points with a great showing. Ezekiel Elliott, only 2.9. Josh Jacobs, only 5.4. But DK Metcalf shows up with 27.7. Nick Chubb, 26.6. Saints defense, 14. Uh, And then on the bench, Justin Jefferson gives him 26. Robbie Anderson gives him 19. So this Bob's Roethlisberger squad is set uh, for for a, a deep playoff run. I would say probably probably him and Mike are, are the best off to go into the playoffs. Uh, and then just a real, real rough showing out of Tim's squad. You know, I, I think at this point, Tim, we, we may need another name change, I think. You know, leave it to Beasley's apparently not getting it done. I mean, you you and Vince are setting new records for my team names this year. I'm thinking Al and the family. I don't know. I, I'm looking at your roster. There's not many puns left. Yeah, I like I like Al and the, Al and the family. I, that's a good one. I mean, you, you know, last game of the regular season can't hold anything back. <laughs> yeah, Al, Al and the family. That's that's pretty solid. I, I think I think he should consider that because leave it to Beasley is really not working for him, and, and and Cole Beasley really not working for him. We we were watching the game with him this past weekend, and he was he was mentioning how every time he throws Beasley in the lineup, he he's just underachieves for him. So uh, might be worth one more name change as, as he goes into the home stretch here because he is not hitting the playoffs with. Uh, much momentum there coming off two straight losses uh, still sitting there eight and four uh, going into a big matchup against my squad another rivalry game this week um, looking at the scenarios uh, it, he, there's, a, there's a lot of variables here so buckle up if Tim wins and Charlie loses and Mike wins uh, Tim could be number three or number four seed depending on the points so him and Charlie pretty close with points there uh, if he wins and Charlie wins and Mike loses, uh, he'll be sitting there in the number three seat. He'll be able to leapfrog Mike. Uh, but if he wins and both Charlie and Mike win, he'll be a four seed because he cannot catch Mike uh, with points uh, with the way he's been scoring lately. Uh, and, and the most simple part of the entire equation, if Tim loses, he drops to the number five seed. So... Uh, a lot of different ways that the pendulum can swing for Tim. Uh, I think he really, really wants to. Uh, he 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 wants to face Vince first. He wants to face the number six seed. I don't think he really wants to be in that four or five spot. So uh, he's definitely hoping to get up into the number three spot there. And on the other side of the docket, uh, big congrats to Kalen King's Bob's Roethlisberger's. He can kind of kick up his feet this weekend, uh, for, really for the next two weeks. He basically has two bye weeks in a row. Sorry, Derek, but uh, the Save by LaBelle matchup this week is, uh, as we mentioned before, probably kind of reminiscent of Steelers-Browns week 17, where the Browns are trying to get the two wins and the Steelers are resting everybody for the playoffs. And uh, <laughs> There's really nothing at stake for anybody. So that's the situation Kalen finds himself in. And then he gets an actual bye next week. So he is hitting the playoffs with a lot of momentum. And I, I agree with you. I think uh, 
him and Mike are maybe on a collision course there when it comes to the playoffs for uh, that championship this year. It may be a meaningless game in the grand scheme, but we would much rather go into the toilet bowl 1-12 than 0-13. So this is a big game for Saved by the Bell going up against Bob's Roethlisberger's. Uh, but we will hold off until our conference call to talk more about that. So that'll do it for our Super Cold Open presented by Modine's 3, Letterkenny's premier home for Puppers Lager. So a couple weeks ago when we had, I think it was, it was me, Vince, and Joe on, Tony was taking one of his numerous weeks off. We were talking about fandom. And we were talking about – I shared some of my thoughts on fandom overall where, you know, I'm often a bandwagon fan. Um, I don't even know if you call it bandwagon. Like, I'm just a front runner uh, because, like, I'm, I'm more of product on the field than emotional investment guy when it comes to professional sports. But something interesting that Kevin is a part of is the idea of – um, you know, Kevin is a big uh, is a soccer hooligan. Is that I think that's the right term. Um, but for a team across the pond. And uh, so, Kevin, I, I want to ask you a little bit about your your fandom with soccer. Um, it's not a sport that I follow outside of, you know, the World Cup, um, you know, every every number of years with the men's and women's team in the U.S. I really don't pay attention outside of that. So uh, curious how you got um involved in being a fan of of premier league soccer and how you went about choosing a team what's it like being a fan of a team that uh you're you know really i don't know it's harder to watch them yeah well actually so it used to be really hard to watch them now it's actually not um but i guess i'll back up to the start so you know, like, like you, I think when I first started seeing professional soccer, it was like seeing the United States in the World Cup. But the way professional soccer works and the way any professional sport works, really, you don't have international competition all that often. Like, you know, the World Cup's every four years. Same thing with basketball and the Olympics. That's every four years. So if you're rooting for Team USA, there's a big gap in between. Um for basketball, it's very easy to follow the NBA. But for soccer, it's just so different because there's so many different professional leagues around the world. And that also kind of opens you, yourself up to being able to follow different teams and different leagues and not really being much of a conflict. Um, you know, people fall in the United States follow the NBA because it's the best basketball league in the world. Well, Major League Soccer, a uh, fine league that it is, is by no stretch of the imagination, the best professional soccer league in the world. The best league in the world is probably the English Premier League, although that's that's not necessarily true. Not all the best teams play in the English Premier League because, I uh, you know, they, we have teams across Europe, like in Germany, have Bayern Munich. They're one. They're the current uh, champions of Europe in, in the European Champions League. They don't play in the Premier League. You have Barcelona and Real Madrid who play in Spain, who aren't part of the Premier League. You have a team in Italy like Juventus, which is another one of these very best teams in the world. But in the English Premier League, you have, you know, I'd say right now, 
four or five teams that are among the best, probably 10 or 15 teams in the world are in that league. Um, I've been a fan of Tottenham Hotspur for years and years, uh, well over 10 years. And what I did is years ago, you know, I decided to start following the Premier League and I ended up picking up Tottenham as a team. They were kind of a, a team that was in the middle of the table who wasn't really a championship contender, but they, um, you know, different teams in leagues in, in like English, English football have kind of an identity that they try to play with over, over you know, a set of years. Um, Tottenham has always tried to play like a progressive attacking style and the quality of that has varied. Um, right now, actually, they're at the top of the league, which is this is the first time this has happened in years. Um, a few years ago, they were contending for a title and it didn't work out. They haven't won a trophy in a major competition in over 10 years. So I just um, I started following them and it's it's so interesting to see the differences in fandom because a lot and a lot of it's like ge- geographically driven. Um, you know, Tottenham is uh, they're based in London, but there's, a, I think, at least six other English Premier League teams that play in London. So the sense of fandom there is just a lot different than it is here because here we're so much more spread out. And, you know, we have like the Cleveland Browns and pretty much everyone that lives in Cleveland is like a Browns fan because that's the team. But, you know, in London, depending on the part of London you're from, that could be your team. And then I guess in addition, you could look at the second largest city in the in the UK is Birmingham. And for a very long time, up until last year, they had gone like five or six years without a team in the English Premier League. Yet, um, there are two big teams in Birmingham that have you know a long history and a long tradition. Aston Villa and Birmingham City. They both draw thousands and thousands of, of fans to their games, even though for a period neither of them was in the the top you know the top division in English soccer, and so. Um, there was a there was a big game a few years ago when Aston Villa was at the top of the second division trying to win their way up to the championship or to the English Premier League when they were playing Birmingham, which is their big rival, and, you know, completely packed stadium. There was a fan that actually rushed out and hit Aston Villa's star player in the head. He, like, snuck onto the field and was able to, you know, punch, punch this guy in the head before he was able to before any security was able to stop him and get him off the field. That's but, insane. You know, yeah, it was why and that that guy ended up scoring later in the game. And now he's he's in the English Premier League. He's he's one of the best players in the league. Aston Villa had their first year back in the Premier League this year. They barely stayed up. They came in so eighteen to twenty drops down to the lower division. They came in seventeenth place and they survived on a goal that he scored on the last day of the season. Normally what happens in a situation like that is uh, one of the larger teams will end up signing that player on a transfer, you know, because he'll, he'll like a player like that would want to play in the, the higher, at a higher level, he'd make more money. He'd play in the champions league, which is reserved for the best teams in Europe. But instead he, he's still at, 
Aston Villa because it, he's a he's a hometown player. And you see that over time too, where some of these players they stay with their the club even when they go down to the lower division because that's that's their club and they you know don't want to leave it. Um, but it's just it's really fascinating to see the sense of fandom and the differences. And another thing that's different too is the way that you buy tickets. Um, and so the Los Angeles Clippers, Steve Ballmer is considering, he's talked about trying to change the model in the United States because in order, there is a secondary market for tickets, but it's not quite the same as here as like StubHub and whatnot. But if you want to like buy tickets to a lot of these teams games, you have to actually be a member of the club because even though these are football clubs, a lot of them are also like athletic clubs. So an example of that is uh, Barcelona. So there's there's thousands of people that are members of Barcelona, and those people actually get to elect who the president is, and that you know who the president of Barcelona is has a huge decision on the players that the Barcelona football team signs, and uh, you know just the direction that the club takes. But getting back to the point of the ticket model. The way it works is you have to buy membership into a club in order to be eligible to purchase tickets to a game. And so then to get in the game, you'd have to show your ticket, but also your 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 club membership. And so Steve Ballmer has talked about that's something that he'd like to consider for the Clippers moving forward. I don't know if that'll actually happen. And, uh, you know, L.A. is one of actually the few cities where you, you do see a little bit of inner city rivalry among sports teams because you have the Clippers-Lakers, but... I mean, sports are so different in here because, well, the Lakers have a long story tradition that the Clippers don't really. And so, you know, there's, yeah, there's a rivalry, but most people in LA are Clip, or, uh, Lakers fans. Whereas, like, you know, I, I, I mentioned the Birmingham Aston Villa example, but like another example is uh, Manchester City and Manchester United. And those two, those are two clubs that have been around, have, you know, years and years of tradition. I yeah, I think Manchester United's been around for over a hundred years. And so, you know, there's uh Manchester United's color is red, Manchester City's is blue. And so the saying is if like when they two when the two play in the the it's called a derby. When they play in a derby and like the Manchester Derby and uh you know Manchester City would win when people would say that Manchester's now blue. So there's just I don't know, there's just much more of a, a you know a crosstown rivalry, which we have rivalries here. Like obviously a big one is um, you know, and I guess is a college example of Michigan and Ohio State, but there's not there's a lot a big difference in proximity. Cause like, you know, if you have that kind of rivalry in a city like, you know, the, the Manchester City, Manchester United divide, or in Liverpool, there's a Liverpool Everton divide, you actually see people that support another team and you'd see that when you're out and about whereas here i mean if you're an ohio state fan and you live in columbus you're not going to see many people walking around in michigan colors it's fascinating yeah it's uh i don't know it's a it's it's just a much different system um and here i don't know my perception is especially in like the nba uh there's just such there's such a, a difference in fandom and now I think Kalen talked about this on the Discord some you know you see in the NBA that players are 
fandom is a lot more tied to players than to than to teams like you know i people talked about how people now root for the lakers because lebron's a laker and there's no no other reason that they would root for them um and there's just so much more movement of players in the nba than there are in other leagues like you know now that earlier this week we had the russell westbrook john wall trade it's like you know, Steph Steph Curry is the longest tenured player on the same team, and it's and the next guy is Clay Thompson, and after that, it's not even really close because these players move around so much. And so there's, you know, as a fan, there's just much, it's much easier to draw an identity to a player, and that's, I mean, that's exacerbated too by the fact that you know some of these players have like signature shoes, right? You know, like Russell Westbrook has his line, Paul George has his line. You know, sure. obviously LeBron, Kyrie, and KD all have signature shoes. So that's, you know, that's p- part of fandom in the NBA too. Is like not just the the games itself, but the the culture that goes along with it, like NBA Twitter and stuff. And so there, that's also very much driven by player as opposed to team. Well, I think this is something that the NBA I think has done really well, and like to to counter it like MLB has really struggled with is the star power. And so the NBA, I mean, you get a big name and that name is, is kind of shoved down your throat if you're not mm-hmm. a fan of that player, or that team. Um, but if you know, like LeBron, right? Like it is all the talk is LeBron. Uh, it was Steph Curry when they were winning the championships. Like you have these, these names and these guys become so, you know, they're able to become so famous partially because, you know, they play a lot of minutes. They're not, mm-hmm. you know, like in football, their faces are, are covered by helmets and that. Um, so, you know, some of these these bigger names, it, or I guess like these middle tier uh, NFL guys, you can walk down the street and not recognize that they're a, the, a football player. But uh, other than the, the massive size. But in the NBA, <laughs> you know, one, they're all super tall. You know, they kind of stick out in society in general. And then because we see them constantly and there's not that many guys on the court, but they're on there for longer periods of time. So anyways, my whole point here is that NBA has done a really good job of creating that star power, fostering that star power. um, And some of the other leagues have really struggled with it. And I think really all the other leagues have struggled with it for the most part. Um, You know, MLB used to, but not as much anymore. NFL has like their top tier guys. And that's that's really it. Uh, and then um, NHL is is kind of tricky. Like, I mean, I'll bet Sidney Crosby can walk down the street outside of Pittsburgh and the majority mm-hmm. of people wouldn't recognize him. Well, uh, I guess there's a few things there. It's interesting because if you look at so one, I'd say baseball is in a different shell because it's now it's so much like the following of baseball is so regionally based where you know people that follow baseball know their know like know the player who the players are on their team but they don't really follow anything outside of that really because one there's just so many different players and two just the way baseball is covered in terms of national coverage there just isn't there really isn't much of it because you know ESPN has put their focus more on NFL and NBA so you you learn the most about the players by watching the you know 
in our case, like if we're watching the Indian sports time, Ohio to see all the Indians games. And so you, you're just really learning about the Indians players. Um, and yeah, that goes back to lack of a, a national presence for the sport, but with, um, you know, with base or with uh, football and basketball, it's fascinating because yeah, you know, LeBron is, and is such a, I, you know, has such a huge following. Um, sure. You could say Patrick Mahomes has a huge following in the NFL and maybe Lamar Jackson. And then, you know, Deshaun Watson too. I mean, those guys are, are big names, but you know, if you look at someone on in the NBA, like, you know, uh, a ton more people know who Devin Booker is than, you know, let's say Devin Booker is like the 20, the best player in the NBA. Yeah. You know, people would uh, the amount of people that would know who the 20 the best player in the NFL is it's just there's just no comparison because the the players are so much more popular but if you look at like the ratings for the games so many more people are watching the NFL than they are the NBA and part of that is how the league has, has the two leagues have branded themselves because you know like you I mean obviously the helmet thing that you pointed out is is a big part of that but even just in addition you have the way the NFL brands itself is so much more about teams than it is about players. Whereas, you know, the NBA is so much more the personality of the players. And there's just, uh, there's a, and there's tons of people that don't even watch NBA games that just follow NBA culture. Like, you know, if you, if you're a football fan, you'll watch, you watch like pretty much a whole football game. Whereas, there's a lot of people that would say that they're NBA fans, like talk about the NBA on Twitter and stuff, but they don't really watch a ton of games. They just watch like, for instance, house of highlights. Okay. Like, yeah, it's, and it's, um, as, and there's obviously, uh, there's some overlap between the two fan bases, but there's kind of distinctions that you, you see over time between the fan bases too. One thing I want to come cut back to real quick though mm-hmm. is is to go back to soccer. Yeah. Um I I I remember it was early on in college I I I did this like study review and basically what it looked at was the increase in heart attacks in cities whose um soccer team played for various championships over the years. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, and basically in the days and week, maybe up to two weeks following that championship match, the amount of heart attacks would increase notably uh, in the, in the two cities where the, of the teams who were, were playing in that game. And then after that would drop back down to normal. So yeah. it, it was it was fascinating because you see and I, I I'm not aware of a study done in the U.S. for like, let's say, like Super Bowl teams or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It's reasonable to think that that may also exist. But my point here is, you know, you talk about the fandom, like the fandom is real. And, mm-hmm. you know, whatever whatever people's perceptions of, you know, soccer, obviously not nearly as popular in the U.S. as it is in other areas. But, you know, that that fandom uh, that is the one thing I took away from that is that you cannot question these people's fandom. Uh, they are literally dying for their teams uh, when they uh, when they're going up for championships. It's it's really cool. I mean, yeah, not 
yeah, yeah, yeah the dying part's not so great. No, no yeah, one wants yeah. to die. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. Um, it's, I think part of it is like, you know, these, these fans uh, of those teams, they feel like they're, you know, that they are kind of in some ways a part of the team because of the whole thing of like being a, me- you know, potentially being a member of the club and also, you know, the, a lot of these teams just have so much longer of a history. And so, you know, what Vince was talking about when he was talking about, you know, getting the experiences of watching the Browns with his relatives, it's the, you know, it's the same thing for people in that are fans of these professional soccer teams, but it's even, uh, you know, something that's been there for much longer you know, it's passed down for for a longer period of time over the family. Um, yeah, it's you know you, you see stuff about that. And I know there was a study in France about um, when people take their the amount of time that people take off work, and it's so tied into soccer matches of like when people act you know say that they call in sick and there's like such a huge boost when it's there when it's like that city's team that's playing during a weeknight as opposed to on the weekend. Right. But, uh, one, one, so one thing that I was thinking of was, uh, when you're talking with the idea of like family and fandom is, um, so the band, uh, Oasis, they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, they were a very popular band. They have some great stuff. Uh, Wonderwall, I, I among it, but uh, Champagne Supernova. Oh, that's a classic. Um, <laughs> don't look back in anger. But <laughs> you know the the two like main people in that band were the Gallagher brothers, uh, I believe Liam and Noel Gallagher, and they were both Manchester City fans, and they're also both huge assholes. Like, it got to the point where one of them wanted to put out a documentary about Oasis, and the other said, if it has me singing on it, fuck him. I'm not, we're not putting that out. I'll sue him. Um, <laughs> so two brothers that completely hate each other. But uh, this was, now this was, like, probably seven or eight years ago. Manchester City won the Premier League, and they did it in the most exciting way possible. First, they were, like, in the you know 15 to 20 years prior they were like kind of a middling premier league team where they weren't that good but a few years prior to their title they were bought by um this saudi ownership group that just pumped all sorts of money into the club and so they bought like you know tons and tons of the best players around and so they were they became a title contender well in english football in the premier league on the last day of the season Every team plays their game at the same time. So, like, for that last round of games, everyone's playing at the same time with the idea that once those games are done, the season's done. And so there's a lot of excitement because in some years, you know, it's not clear who's going to be in 17th and 18th and who's going, you know, who's going to get relegated or, um, you know, one of the top four spots, which goes to the Champions League, like the fourth spot could not be secure. But this year in particular, Manchester City and Manchester United were the two teams that were vying for the title. And I think Manchester United kind of went into the day with a lead. But if Manchester City won their game, uh, they would have won the league. And so, you know, Manchester United, they 
I think they were winning their game and their game was over, but there was still like like five or six minutes left in the Manchester City game. So all the fans in the Manchester United game were still in the stadium. They were watching on TV, watching the Manchester City game on the, you know, the big screen, waiting to see what would happen because whatever happened in that game would determine who won the league. So Manchester City actually scored two goals in stoppage time in that last five or six minutes. And so they won the title. And it was, you know, this uh, this huge comeback story. And, you know, I, I w- actually watched the clip of it. Uh, it was like a 10-minute video compilation of it, just a few. Uh, I, it was earlier this year I remember watching it. But uh, to go back to the Gallagher brothers, apparently after that happened, one of the Gallagher brothers tried to bury the hatchet because they're such such big Manchester City fans. And it was like, let's say it was Liam's like, I tried calling Noel and saying, maybe we give another shot at this after City won the title. And apparently the other one just told him to fuck off. But <laughs> it, it it was interesting that, you know, this guy thinks that the fact that our team won, and this is something that we love so much, maybe this could be a way that we could, you know, try again to, you know, the the actual brothers. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a whole world that I don't know much about. So I've appreciated kind of hearing it from your side of things, because um, it's like it's on at weird times, you know, because of mm-hmm. of the time difference and that. Uh, but well, so I would say just when I was first a fan, it was. Like, I could barely ever watch it. So a lot of it was almost like reading about what happened and occasionally watch, being able to watch a game. But within the last, you know, few years, within like, what was it, maybe seven years ago or something, NBC got their rights to air the Premier League in the United States. So um, they, on NBC, they would do, they do one game a week. It's their, usually at Saturday at 1230 is like the, in, is the big is the game that they pick for the week sometimes it's a good game sometimes it's a bad game but then there's other like uh, NBC Sport you know has a lot of games now and then also on NBC's streaming app Peacock you can get all the rest of the games so it's so much easier to watch the Premier League now but yeah there was there was a time when it was like really you know you're like a fan but you're hardly ever able to see them yeah that's uh, it's cool. It's, uh, I've learned a lot from from you over the last couple of years about, you know, what's going on in the Premier League and, and you know, the whole idea of of relegating teams to lesser leagues and stuff is, is a really cool, um, a really cool thing that I, I imagine prevents teams taking dives and kind of becomes that like toilet bowl, uh, you know, well, that you're, you're trying to win to stay out of that. Yeah, but. It, it's also different because there's no draft or anything. You know, there's no the way that you get new players is, you know, all these teams have academies where, you know, they train people with the hopes that they could eventually make the first team. And they almost, you know, the success rate of that is so low. But, you know, if you get one really good player every, you know, every 20 years or something and you get someone that, you know, that's kind of a good success rate. I mean, you, during the course that you get other players that can contribute, but the, and it's, you know, you have these clubs that have such huge history and huge tradition that, and have like, you know, 40,000 seat stadiums. 
that aren't playing in the top division because their their side got relegated. Like right now, um, Leeds United, which is uh, really, it's like the biggest team in that in that area in Yorkshire. It it's in the Premier League for the first time in I think 17 years. And they have they they have like a massive following because that's that's the club and you know it sucked for them for years because they were stuck in the English Championship which is the second division, but now they're they're in it and they're you know they have one of the biggest followings of any of the teams in the Premier League even though they're you know not that great of a team they're a good team but they're not like they're not competing for the title or anything but they you know it, that's just the that's just that's that area's club. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, well, and like you, you know, it's uh, you know, we people follow like the Steelers or the Browns, and there's ups and downs. But um, if you're really you know committed to one of these English teams, you could have some really huge downs where it's you know you're you you. I mean, these people, you know, they've done some recreation photos, uh, I guess, like, side-by-side photos, where it's, like, this one family that was at the stadium the day that Leeds got relegated 17 years ago, and it's now they're back there 17 years later. Well, that's, you know, that's 17 years. Like, so I guess, you know, to use that that kind of comparison of, like, the Browns, you know, mm-hmm. it, Although it may be unlikely, like at any point, a team can win the Super Bowl. Like you're always only a couple because the the talent is so similar. You're always only a couple players away, essentially. Well, so you figure and the Browns for, for redistributing it too, like the draft. Right, right, right. So like the Browns, you know, in in 2016 went 0 and 16. Was it 2016, 2017? Um, went 0 and 16, and now you know they're they're looking like they're going to make the playoffs only a couple years later. And, and that's, that's an incredible, you know, turnaround. But if you're relegated down, like you, you obviously, you can't win the premier league if you're not in the premier league. So to take mm-hmm. that 17 years where you're just out of it, you know, now you're the focus of your fandom. Well, so dramatically. here's one thing that's really interesting. So they have, you know, England has leagues, but they also have cups. So there's um, there's a cup called the Football Association Cup, which is England has a football association that runs all of, you know, all of soccer in England, essentially. And so, you know, they do things that regulate the Premier League and regulate the lower leagues. But there's this competition where uh, clubs, all, all these clubs get to compete in, and it's a knockout tournament. And right now, they actually, they're, it goes on over the course of the year and they just started it and Tottenham have their draw. They're playing a team from the eighth division, which, you know, those aren't even professional footballers. They're, I don't even know if they're semi-professional at that point, but you know, that that's who they're playing. They're playing this, this team called Marine, which I've never even heard of until I found out about the draw. And, uh, you know, every few years, there's a, a, there's a team, there's, once you go below the fourth division, the fifth division downward, 
is called it, it's considered non-football league because they're like regional divisions and so uh every few years and what was it like four or five years is the last time this happened there was a team from the like the fifth division that made it to the uh like the quarterfinals of the competition and so that could mean one of two things for this team you get the these are drawn home or away so you, you know you could one time it happened where one of the really big teams like arsenal they were drawn away to this like fifth league team so they had to go to this like small stadium that's that had like <laughs> you know a set of bleachers and there was literally a part i saw these pictures of it there's like a parking spot where they usually just put out a cone that says the parking spot's reserved for the other team's manager. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, people just drive to the games on their own. Um, sure. But then the alternative, and this is great for the smaller teams, is, you know, if if you were to like, um, you know, you're like a sixth division team, and you, get to, you were to get drawn to play Manchester United at Manchester United, you get to go to Old Trafford, which is like one of the most impressive sports stadiums in the world. And you get to play against Manchester United. And so it's like for all those players, even though they know that they're most likely going to get slaughtered, it's like the highlight of their career. Well, I'm just like drawing comparisons to like an FCS school going and playing like Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, you mm-hmm. know, like one of these giants. And it's like, you know, you're going to just get your ass kicked. But uh, you get that experience of playing in a stadium for, you know, four or five, ten times the amount of fans that you get at, at your normal games. Um, but well, it's, it's uh, you know, obviously it's turned up because it's the on the professional circuit. Yeah, it's even more it's even more of a disparity. It would be like, I don't know how to put this, um, I don't know how to find a good analogy, but it it would be like a team that's almost lower than a division three team were to oh, go wow. yeah yeah like a beer league team goes up and plays like the new england patriots like almost yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, or it'd God. be like um you know uh small division three college where they barely have enough players to even put out a team and it's just like you know there's there's like no funding for the team whatsoever. And it's like pay as you play. It'd be like that, you know, one of those teams going up against something like the Patriots. Do they ever get like major upsets in those games or is it always oh, pretty much like what you would expect? Um, so the, from what I remember, the farthest I've seen is like, there was a, like a fifth division team that made it to the quarters of the FA cup. But yeah, I mean, every year, there's um there's big teams that get upset by teams from lower divisions it's very rare that someone you know from like uh fourth or fifth division team would knock off a premier league team but it it can't happen because usually what will happen is these teams will just sit back in a bunker the whole time and so you know if they get their one chance and they take it and they score and you know they don't give up a goal it could happen or uh if it goes zero zero and it goes to penalties and they get lucky in the penalties wow yeah it's kevin you have convinced me 
to pay more attention to the goings going ons in soccer because that tournament style sounds awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, much easier to watch now too. There's a uh, much better coverage. Yeah, I'm fully in. So now is your next jersey going to be a Tottenham Hotspur jersey? Uh, you know what? Hey, I have no other reason to pick a team. So, yeah, I'll join you. That's good. I'm just getting more and more people. Tim supports the I'm Spurs. On yeah, Tony supports the Spurs. Yeah. We Let's, actually uh, all need to we need to we need to get a trip to go out to go to like watch a game at their stadium because they have like it might be the best stadium in the world right now because it's brand new and it has like a it has a microbrewery in the stadium there's like a skywalk and the culture there is different where you know there it's two 45 minute halves so people don't have time to like go and get concessions and stuff so i mean they some people do it at halftime but like i'm pretty sure that the way it works is you kind of like go and spend time outside of the game just hanging out at the stadium and like going to the bar there and all that yeah that's pretty cool i'm in all right all right yeah that's uh that's how that happened all right well I mean, I feel like that's enough soccer talk, though. We're going to move on. But, nice. uh, yeah. Hey, I was looking, though. The Hotspurs are playing um, Arsenal this this weekend. And North Derby. Yep, yep. The, uh, your Spurs have a plus 12 goal differential, which uh, appears to be giant. So, yeah. I mean, are we talking right. titles this year, or are we, are we reserving well, it's funny. Um, so uh, Tottenham hired they last year. They fired their manager, and actually, there's a for people that have Amazon Prime. There's a Amazon Prime documentary called All or Nothing Tottenham Hotspur, which follows that season. It was really good, but they fired their manager after they made it to the Champions League final, which is you know this, the 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 biggest competition in Europe that all the top teams in Europe play. They lost in the Champions League final. The next season started out poorly. They fired their manager, and they hired a new one. And now, over the offseason, they've kind of retooled their team some. They've come out to this great start in the league, but the manager is very cautious, and he's he's known for his quotes. And so after the last <laughs> game, um, he they said, oh, you drew Chelsea 0-0, you're top of the league. Are you? How do you feel about the title race? And he's like, title race? We're not in a title race. Uh that's for horses. We're we're but a pony right now. <laughs> That's great. So just like shoving away all, all like expectation of the team. Yeah. Um, and I, that's kind of what he does because he 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 managed Chelsea. He had two different stints where he was manager of Chelsea, and he won the league with them multiple times. But like. That he pretty much that was pretty similar to a quote that he had one time for one of the Chelsea years that like you know even though they won that they, they ended up winning the title that year he pretty much tried to say oh no we're not in the title race we're not ready for that um, but yeah they play Arsenal on Sunday and that is Tottenham's big rival 
So that is the these these uh, different games have different names like Barcelona and, and Real Madrid. That game is called El Clasico. Uh, when Bayern Munich plays Borussia Dortmund, that is Der Klassiker. When Tottenham plays Arsenal, that is the North London Derby. And then in Los Angeles, when the Los Angeles Galaxy plays LAFC, that match is known as El Trafico. <laughs> nice. Yeah, this is a, a whole culture that I know nothing about. But uh, good luck to your Spurs this weekend. Arsenal looks pretty terrible, so hopefully they uh, they win. So that's happening at 11.30 a.m. on Sunday, so you can catch that before the NFL action. Go Spurs. Go Spurs. All right, I'm on. Go Spurs. Let's go. All right, it's time. Let's get into the conference call presented by McLaren's Pub. Uh, we, we already talked a little bit about playoff scenarios and all of that discussion. So let's get into a best versus worst game. Uh, my and Tyler's, namely Tyler's with my assistant, Saved by LaBelle, going up against Bob's <laughs> Roethlisberger's. Uh, Kalen is projected to take this one. 126.4 to 109.4 for the LaBelle team. Uh, we got Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, um, so not feeling super great about that. Wayne Goldman projected 13. Interestingly, David Johnson is supposed to come off of IR this week. We will see if he does. Currently still has that IR uh uh, designation, but hopefully we'll be coming off of that, and the Buccaneers are on by, so both Brady and Gronk are out. For Kalen's team, whoo, Aaron Rodgers projected 20.7. Travis Kelsey projected 17.9. Nick Chubb, 13.9. Saints D, 5.2. So I'm going to hold off picking this game, but uh, Kevin, I'll kick it to you here. Who do you think takes this best versus worst matchup? You want me to be polite because you're you're on the call, or do you want the truth? Um, I think we all know what's going to happen. That's good. It's good to be realistic. <laughs> Tony? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I assume. <laughs> Sometimes people think they're realistic and uh, you know they're not really attached to reality. <laughs> well, here we are, week thirteen. Uh, Save by LaBelle goes in zero and twelve versus the buzzsaw that is Kalen King's Bob's Rothless Burgers. Could it be a trap game for Kalen? Doesn't really need this game. Uh, he, He's already got a bye next week. He could be looking ahead to that first-round matchup. I think this Week 13 match could possibly not pull the upset. No, I'm going Kalen. I thought you were going there. I thought you were going to pick. 
I tried. I tried to talk myself into it. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get there. Yeah, I get it. Uh, interestingly, the last time these two teams faced off was in week nine. Kalen won this game 148 to 64. Uh, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Not feeling real confident on that one. <laughs> I do feel confident you'll put up more than 64 points this time, though, Derek. So there's a there's upside. Uh, yeah, I'm hopeful. I am hopeful. Uh, next up, we have the uh, rematch of the clash at Kreischer. Tim Tafts, eight and four, leave it to Beasley coming into town to take on Tony Perenni's seven and five Pitoria FC. Tony is projected to take this one 131 to 127. So uh, 4.7 point spread uh, currently. Tim is hoping to get a good game out of Josh Allen, projected at 22.2. Raheem Raheem Mostert, 15.9. Aaron Jones, 18.2. On the other side, Tony gets Lamar Jackson back, maybe? Currently still listed as out, but is projected 21.4. If Lamar Jackson does not play, uh, but again, he is expected to come off the COVID-19 list. If he doesn't, Trace McSorley is the only quarterback active for the Ravens. Uh, So we'll watch that one, but we do expect Lamar Jackson back uh, for this week's game. Alvin Kamara coming off that really rough game last week, projected 17.1. Devontae Adams projected nearly 21 points. Uh, so I am going to go with Tony in this one. Last time, Tony put up 183 points on Tim. I don't think it's going to be that high, but I think it's going to be enough for Tony to move on to 8-5. and five, And then we'll see both Tony and Tim at 8-5 and five in that Einstein's division. I don't know if the point spread is between the two teams. Um after that, but I'm sure Tony will tell us in a minute. Kevin, who are you going with? Uh, you know, as much as it pains me to go against Alan the family, um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, it'd be nice if he changed his name to Joe Hio this week, but he doesn't really have a player whose name is Joe. Maybe he could pick up Joe Burrow off the, I assume he's on the waiver wire with his ACL injury. Um, but I think it's got to be Pretoria. He could go Golden Girlies. Golden oh. Girls. You know, That's some good since, since, he, since he has Gurley and Cup, he could bring back that, uh, that very tawdry name that I think someone came up with for uh, our, our prior league name. Uh, Back when it was the, I don't know, what was it, the porn? Yeah. <laughs> the porn theme. <laughs> One of the darker team. moments. <laughs> that was your team. <laughs> Those names probably weren't podcast safe. We didn't have a pod then. <laughs> no, it's better we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> what was the theme the year before? Was the year before was the theme tacos? Uh, we went tacos, tacos, then we went Harry Potter, and then, yeah, and then porn, the Bunny Ranch League. 
Listen, it's not always classy around here. <laughs> then we went the straight opposite direction with uh, corporate names the next year. Yeah. Yeah, we had, to, we had to recover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's almost as hard of a pivot as, uh, yes, um, famous names from the Bible. <laughs> Throw that in the queue for next year, Kevin. Love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure that'll attract a Christian mingle crowd. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be Bible names against the office for the third year in a row. <laughs> oh, the Bible names have it. <laughs> I got something real good with Ezekiel. <laughs> All right, Tony, I know you're not going to pick this game, um, but can you fill us in here a little bit on what is at stake? Uh, Yeah, the easy part of that equation is the losing team gets plugged into the five seed. So I mentioned earlier with Tim uh, how he would like to get to the three seed. I think that could be said for everybody, really. Um, Just looking at the landscape over the last couple of weeks, obviously, the team everybody's trying to avoid first round is Mike. So if, if Mike somehow loses this next game and uh, finds himself in week one of the playoffs, um, both our, our teams would like to get to that three slot. Let's just say that. So that's what's at stake here. There's, there's some other variables at play uh, between that uh, as far as what Charlie and Mike need to do. But the simple side of that is if you lose – uh, you are hurting your chances there. There's no chance you're facing Vince as a six seed, uh, and you could get Mike number one if Mike drops the four. So, um, but really, realistically, a very likely first round matchup is a rematch of this game right here. So, um, take a good picture this week because you might be seeing it again next week and for uh, much higher stakes. Clash at Kreischer, part three. I'm here for it. All right, next game up, we have Vince Gorgonzola's Mahomes improvement going up against Kevin Hulick's jump the shark. Uh, Vince is sitting there at six and six, projected to take this one 124 to essentially 120. Kevin at five and seven. A lot of green check marks here for Vince. Patrick Mahomes projected 24.3. Austin Eckler, 21. And then everybody else in the mid-teens. Adam Thielen was 17. Uh, Let's see, the bench, nothing major sticking out there. All right, so on the other side, Kevin has Russell Wilson, 21.4. Derrick Henry, 20.4. Chase Claypool, one of my Notre Dame boys, 13.4. Debo Samuel, 13.8. And nothing jumping out on the bench there. So uh, this game is going to be a close one. I think if we're just going by check marks, there's a lot there in Vince's favor. But it's only a 4.2 point spread. The uh, Derrick Henry is going up against the Cleveland defense. He's projected 20.4. So they have a high projection. He's been averaging 20.1. I think. I 
think he's going to outperform that. I think he's going to be around 30. He ran all over the Colts defense, which I think is better than the Cleveland defense. So I expect Derrick Henry to have a giant game. And uh, Me the, too. <laughs> the Steelers going up against Washington. I think Chase Claypool is going to do well. And then that Steelers defense for Kevin. So I'm going to go with Kevin. Kevin, I got you here, but I'm going to go. I'm going to, I think you're going to take the upset and, uh, and beat Vince. So what are your, what are your thoughts going into this game? Um, well, I, I like your thinking, Derek. I like it a lot. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I don't know. I'm not going to make the playoffs. I don't think so. Uh, hoping just none of my players get injured and the rest in my bench who is all injured uh, has a nice return to health for a potential big matchup in the toilet bowl. Yeah, this is a game that uh, is going to be fairly uncomfortable the entire time because, like you said, there's really you're not really playing for anything. You're just hoping nobody goes down. Um, mm-hmm. That that would you know, like if you lose a, a Derrick Henry. Uh, at this point, like that, that's really going to hurt you going in uh, to the toilet bowl. So uh, here's to, here's the good health all around for, for your squad. Tony, who do you got and what are the implications? It's Derek trying to enact the frosty jinx right there on Kevin's team. <laughs> when Derek Henry uh, goes down with a, with a knee injury or something this week, we, we all know why. It's basically the Madden curse. <laughs> so um, I really, I really, really wanted this to be the game of the week this week. Uh, I'm a little bummed that, that the stakes have, have lowered this much. Uh, I'm sorry, Kevin. I don't like your chances of beating him by 108 points to close that gap. So I, I think we can comfortably say Vince is going to be in that sixth seed. And, and Kevin, you, you're going to be trying to, trying to avoid the ultimate punishment there. Um, but as for week 13, I, I think we, we haven't talked enough about the X factor for Vince's team in getting Austin Eckler back this late in the season. Um, he put up some good points last week and got, got a lot of catches out of the backfield. I think he's going to be a featured uh, part of that offense once again. And now with Justin Herbert at the helm, with a passing game that's a little more uh, fine-tuned than it was when he left with Tyrod, uh, I think if, if Vince is able to make a run in the playoffs, it is going to be on the backs of Mahomes and Eckler. So that's huge for him right there. And I think uh, that starts this week against Kevin's team. I'm sorry, Kevin, but I think Vince gets the win and goes to seven and six. Well, that's very interesting, Tony. I'll remember this moment. <laughs> yeah, Tony doesn't know what he's talking about, so you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we see Mike Engine Thrones, Bonnie McMurray, the team nobody wants to go up against, going up against Dave Peschens, the little Sebastians. Mike projected to take this one 137 to 105. For Mike, he has Deshaun Watson projected 20.6, Dalvin Cook projected 25.8, Tyreek the Cheetah Hill projected 21. Uh, everybody else hitting around the mid-teens there for the most part. Rams defense only projected five going up against Arizona. Uh, 
So I imagine he will keep that roster. I'm looking down at the bench here. I don't see anybody that is going to overtake. So that probably will be what it is. Uh, on the other side, Dave Pestian still has Kenny Galladay in there, even though he's out. Last week he didn't replace him, so we'll see what he does there. If he replaces somebody currently on the roster, his best bet is going to be Jonathan Taylor projected at 13. So even still, that's almost a 32-point spread. So 13 points not going to be enough there. Uh, but Matt Stafford projected about 15. Chris Carson, 16. DeAndre Hopkins, 16. Stephon Diggs, 18. Um, so I don't... Uh, I think Bonnie McMurray is going to outperform projection here. Last time, Mike won at 104 to 80, essentially 87. I expect Bonnie McMurray to be well into the 140s, and Dave is going to struggle to hit 100. So I got Mike in a landslide. Kevin? Yeah. I also have Mike in a landslide. Tony, <laughs> I don't think we're going to be treated to the pitchers duel we saw last time. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I too like like Bonnie McMurray in a landslide, and uh, uh, I'm going to make a bold proclamation here, guys. I am painting Dave as the favorite for the ACT. Oh, I said that last week. Like you can't you can't just take my bold predict projections. But he and, said it was bold. Yeah, no. It, it's exactly what I said last week where I was like, I project Dave's going to take the ACT. And now next week, Tony's like, guys, listen, I got it. Dave's going to take the ACT. And it's like, all right, thanks. Thanks, Tony. Well, okay, hold on. A few things. One, that's a terrible impression. Uh, <laughs> and two, that's just the art, of the, the art of the take. You have to acknowledge that it's a hot take. You have to yeah. – a little drama – Cool. Yeah, are you, are you a sports talk rookie, Derek? Don't you know how this works? Tony, I know you, I know damn well how it works. And you're, you say, just, you're you say it last point. week, get your clicks. I say it this week, we get more clicks. That's how this works. <laughs> you're going to be like, wow, that Tony guy knows what he's talking about. Derek's an idiot. And Tony's just <laughs> taking all my points just a week later when exactly. they're less of a hot take. That's, that's how it works. <laughs> just so dumb. Interesting. I didn't know that. This almost seems like an old married couples podcast. It essentially is at this point. I'm going to go back to yeah, doing podcasts on my own. Is that the most keep we're going for here? <laughs> I mean, listen, it's not the goal, but I feel like everybody gets there at some point. I mean, like Mike and Mike at the end there, they were just bickering. So I think we just skipped that like 10 years of like great radio and we just jump right to the end where it's just like, hey, are these guys done yet? <laughs> Like, like every good band, like they eventually just like to the point where they just can't do it anymore. And then they go broke and decide they have to get it back together like 10 years later when they're way past their prime. So uh, just, just a glimpse into our future there for everybody. Like people are just looking at them like, how are none of these guys dead yet? Like that's that's essentially what it's going to be. Basically, like Kiss just gets it back together like every two years after they pitch another farewell tour. It's, it's insane. Well, I'm just, convinced with the face paint, it's not even the same guys anymore. It's just like, oh, just that dude looks close enough. Put a star on his face and get him out there. 
<laughs> it's it's two yeah. of them, and they just rotate everybody else. But <laughs> I, it, it bears mentioning that my, my dad went to the farewell tour in 1996 when they opened the the Wells Fargo Center in uh, in Philly, and uh, 20 plus years later, they're still saying farewell. They did another one last year. Well, sure. uh, I remember a few years ago, and I don't think this has really happened as it was planned to because of COVID, but. Elton John announced like a three-year retirement tour, which <laughs> the end of it was pretty much going to be him announcing that he was going to take residency in Vegas, I think. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing like urgency to get people to buy tickets, and which will drive the price up. So you say, hey, this is the last one. Like, eventually it will be the last one. And, you know, everybody wants to be like, I saw the last show. Well, this but the thing with Elton John is, he still he still sells out like all of his shows. Oh yeah. But it's how how high can you drive the price of the tickets up? That's the trick. Yeah, if you think you're getting something exclusive, you're gonna pay more for it, and it, it works every time. Yep, that's why we keep saying this is the last season of the Frosty and Perny podcast, so we get more listeners. How's that working out? Oh, well, <laughs> we just have the same five listeners over and over again. <laughs> you hey. mean it's just you downloading and deleting, downloading and deleting, downloading and deleting. I may or may not download on a couple of different platforms. You know, let's just not throw stones here. Yeah, I have my mom subscribed uh, to the podcast as well, so... She, I get downloads from from her phone too. So yeah, I mean that's listen. This is what we do. You know, we're trying to make this money. We're trying to get these sponsors. Uh, you notice the live read stopped. You've noticed that we rarely have uh, any real sponsors. Like nobody wants to sponsor this crap. It's terrible. But but we well, like doing I mean, it. You, I mean, you guys have me on now. You're really just digging the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, yeah. We had you on for a whole special during the Frosty Live tour. And now this whole episode, we talked about soccer for like 45 minutes. 50 minutes. <laughs> Nobody is listening to anything we're talking about right now because they, they're either asleep from the soccer talk or they just like turned it off and went to a better show. I, I'd be very surprised if people make it to the end of this episode, to, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's not going to happen. You know, hey, listen. All right. So here's the thing. If you make it to the if you make it to this point in the episode. Text or t- so text me or Tony or hit us up on Twitter uh, with like some what, what do we want our like little password to be this little like club of making it to the end of this episode. Flugelhorn. Flugelhorn. Love it. That's F L U G L E H O R N. Is that how you spell flugelhorn? Is it a real thing? I, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> If they misspell it, it still counts, okay? Yeah, like, yeah, we're not going to... Oh, shit, Flugelhorn. F-L-U-G-E-L-H-O-R-N. Flugelhorn. Just like it sounds. Uh, yeah, so hit us up in the in the Discord. Text message, email. Uh, preferred, at FrostyPod. Twitter handle. Uh, just, just hit us up with Flugelhorn. We'll know you made it to the end. And uh, you win our admiration, and and a nice thank you. We'll give you a shout out next week's episode if you make we it. We to- will. 
We will. We're going to call you a cool guy. Oh, who was that guy? I remember. I'm looking it up now. Is this John, like, John Bartels? Was it John Bartels? John Bartels. John Bartels is a cool guy. Man, I hope he gets to the end of the episode. Yeah. I I hope he does. I don't, I don't think, think he follows will, us. Though. I don't think he follows us. Where's he at? Nope. Jo- oh, there he is! There he is! At John Bartels 10. Cool guy. It's awesome. All right. Anyways, Flugelhorn, if you make it to this point in the episode, and congratulations. And let's get into our final matchup, the Sacred Heart Game of the Week and the Rocky Top Rumble. Steve Groover's Threat Level Midnight goes into town to take on Charlie Thurber's Blue Cat Lodge. Charlie does not have a defense yet, nor does he have one on the bench so he may be going without a defense. We'll see. I imagine he'll pick somebody up. But Groover's projected to take this one 100.7 to 92.3. Um, so it truly is only the game of the week because it's the Rocky Top Rumble. This game is going to be terrible to watch. Uh, for Groover's side, Justin Herbert projected 21. James Robinson, 18.7. DJ Moore is questionable and on a bye week. Yep, on That's a bye very week. Questionable. So he is uh, likely not playing. Um, so let's say Julio Jones likely will take that spot at 17 points. So that's going to push Groover up into the 117 range, 118. Um, and then kicker woes. Uh, so he'll have to put in a new kicker, too, because Ryan Suckup is not going to be playing as he is on is a bye week. Is playing chip available? Uh, depends. Yes. Blankenship's available. Hot oh, Rod himself. Yeah. He's good for two. He's good for two. You can get two more points. Uh, so yeah, so not a not a, gonna be a good showing out of Groover. On the other side, Charlie Thurber is projected to get twenty point two out of Kyler Murray, only nine point three projected from DeAndre Swift. Kareem Hunt twelve point two. Michael Thomas is back sixteen point one. Again, no defense at this point. And Young Ho Ku, the number one kicker in the league, projected nine point three. Uh, I am going – I don't know how Charlie keeps winning because his team is not that good and his projections are bad. But somehow he keeps winning games, and so I'm going to go with him because I don't I don't know why, but it's fun to watch, and I think Charlie's going to win it. And I can't tell you why I think that. Kyler Murray might go off. I don't know. Michael Thomas might go off. Uh, it's likely going to be like Noah Fant or something like something stupid like that. But, yeah, so I'm going to go with Charlie Thurber on this one to take the Rocky Top Rumble. Charlie did win the Rocky Top Rumble the first time around, 120 to 113. So I think he's going to repeat and sweep the series this year. Kevin, where are you at? Um, so, you know, Charlie's team's kind of interesting because if he were able to run, like, a fully healthy lineup, and I'm not counting Will Fuller in that because of the suspension, but, like, you know, once he gets in the playoffs, he's going to be able to run Murray, 
Hunt, uh, Ronald Jones, Thomas, and Evans. And that's like a pretty good top five. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's, it's enough for the playoffs, but uh, this week, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of those guys available. And if you look at Steve's team, Steve has some nice pieces too. Um, you know, Herbert, Robinson, Sanders. Sanders is eh. But then uh, he has uh, some receivers that have the potential to pop, and he could put Dobbins in, you know, moving forward if Sanders isn't good enough. So, you know, Steve... Uh, I, I picked Steve this week, and I think Steve has a good ch- chance to avoid uh, playing in the toilet bowl grand finale, the final flush, if you will. <laughs> Tony? Love it. <laughs> this is all just about toilet bowl prep for Steve at this point, so he's just trying to fine-tune that roster to uh, get a win in the last two weeks. So I, I think he's looking ahead a little bit. Uh, I don't like the Justin Herbert match against uh, the Patriots. I've seen what Bill Belichick does to rookie quarterbacks, uh, and it's not good. And I think it's not going to be real real good for his fantasy showing this week. And I I think the guy who just keeps finding ways to win will do it again this week and uh, lock up that B-team division. I'm taking Thurber, and I'm taking him as B-team champion and uh, first round bye. I can't can't tell if Harper's in the background agreeing or disagreeing. I can't either. She's a, it's, her, it's her and Delilah. I think they're having a disagreement about it right now. One's on Steve and one's on Charlie, and they're they're duking it out. Listen, I love the energy behind this Rocky Top Rumble. Uh, so we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, and uh, I'm excited to break down these matchups and look forward to our first week of the playoffs. Kevin, thank you for joining us. For the final week of the regular season, and uh, very well, maybe seeing you next week in that first round of the toilet bowl. Yeah, I wonder who you'll hire between then and now. Uh, we'll see. I think Jordan Pennell wants back in the league. We'll see if yeah, he's available. available. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back Jake Einan to Sean Stewart. You know, who, who have you got? <laughs> Hey, you know what? Listen, we need as much uh, toilet bowl experience as possible at this point because uh, the team is is not looking good. Um, morale is low, to say the least. And we just need some dudes who, you know, can can get us out of the hole. And listen, you just need to win one of two games. That's it. Well, that's a good point. Although you've you've won zero of twelve so far, so I I I wonder about the ability to win one of two. Well, certainly that is the concern, Kevin. Thank you for pointing <laughs> that out. <laughs> Always the optimist, Kevin is. Yeah. <laughs> just I just uh, as someone who knows a little bit about numbers, just looking at them. Uh, listen, we're go- we're going in one and twelve, not zero and thirteen. So under my uh, my advising, we will be fifty percent, which is all we need to be in the playoffs. So I'm confident, Kevin. Even if you're not, that's okay. We'll see how it goes. Okay. 
<laughs> That'll do it for us. Thank you for listening. The Frosty Printing Podcast is brought to you by Steel Valley Media. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Don't forget to send us the password Flugelhorn to get your shout out next week. Thank you for sticking with us and go Spurs. Vince, take it away.